We are continuing in our Operation Reconciliation, Becoming Effective Fishers of Men to Bear Fruit That Remains, Incorporating Productive Strategies of Evangelism into the Daily Life of the Church. Uh, we're on the sixth full lesson, which is one outline today. Then the other thing I gave you guys, which uh, I think probably everybody heard earlier, but uh, so this is the New Testament prayers. These are just all of the like recorded prayers in the New Testament that I could find that would go along with um, the last three or four weeks that we've been doing on uh, kind of small series on prayer, incorporating that into a life of evangelism into the church. Uh, just to give you an example, if you can look exactly at, uh, obviously, Jesus' high priestly prayer is the first and longest one on there. Uh I put Paul's prayers on there, which I think I even included one of Hebrews, assuming that Paul is most likely the Hebrew, the author of Hebrews. Uh, Peter, the Apostle John, and then the last one is Paul asked for prayer. Paul asked for prayer. Oh, that's the one I put the Hebrews. Uh, so it was a major theme in, in the epistles that Paul would often open up praying or thanking or exalting God for the work that's happened in the lives of other uh, believers in cities that he's being affected. So put that in your binder because I know everyone's keeping a binder of this whole thing. James, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> hey, that's better than, it's better than nothing. Adam's got a binder, clearly. Put in Adam put that in his binder. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we're done with the kind of little series on prayer within evangelism. When we're moving on to this is the last lesson that we're doing uh, before we actually get to the gospel. <laughs> you guys are like yes, finally we're gonna get to the gospel. You've been talking about it for like eight weeks now, and. We'll finally get to it, which won't actually be next week. It'll be in after finals week, which will be uh, three weeks from today. But uh, that's if you're staying. Most people aren't going home. There's probably only a couple of people that come somewhat regularly that are not staying around the Dayton area. Uh, but we'll still be doing that at the, I decided we'll do that at the campus ministry house. So what's that? Next week, we're still going to be meeting here. Uh, next week, we're only going to be doing, uh, which I, I just, I can, we can go into that now. Where's my binder? Uh, next week, all we're going to be doing is discussing practical ways to memorize scripture, which is a big emphasis of today. Uh, and we're just going to be playing a game with prizes on, based on memorization of the 45 verses that uh, passed out at the beginning. And I know because you guys are all mature, studious Christians who show up on time all the time and are diligent to study for hours every day and work on memorization because you already understood how that's necessary in evangelism, that you've already started memorizing them and probably already uh, probably memorized all 45, which would only be about three a week since we started. But if you want to win monetary prizes or 
Starbucks gift cards, and that's your motivation, then you're going to have to cram. And then, therefore, you haven't studied and practiced and memorized for the last eight weeks or so. Then you'll have to really cram the next week. And if you didn't start last week, which would have given you two weeks, because that's when I announced it last week, uh, then you'll really have to cram this week. I actually, because uh, this kind of goes on, well, this does go on with what we're talking about today. So I actually whipped out my old, uh, this was one that I had that was like a quarter of the way filled. Uh, some people suggest like carrying three by five note cards or something around and writing Bible verses, the reference on one side and the actual scripture verse on the other side. And uh, I think Deanna does the note cards. Do you do note cards? I saw you doing it once at the 507 house. No, I'm saying, do you use personally use note cards? Uh, I don't like that because they're kind of bulky. They're bigger than this. This is just what I like to use. Use whatever works for you. Um, there's also an app called Fighter Verses by Desiring God. That's like four bucks uh, where you can put in any verses of only the ESV translation, though. You've got it? I found one that's free. What is it? Okay. And it's specifically for memorization? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's called, what's it called? Scripture writer? Scripture typer. Uh, so whatever works for you is whatever, or whatever you use, that's whatever is best. <laughs> whatever you use. Uh, I've filled up like a couple of these. I used to carry these like around with me when I worked like climbing trees and stuff. And I would even like bring them out. Like there's not a whole lot of time when you're climbing trees to stop. <laughs> but like I'd be like driving and I'd like, you know, be driving and I like have it in one hand. And I'd be like, oh, Hebrews 11.6 is the first one on here. I'd try not to look at it because I'm driving anyways. I'd be like, oh, like uh, if it's impossible to please God without faith, you know, for one must believe that. First, that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. And then, like, okay, keep my eyes on the road. I'm like, okay, yeah, got it. Uh, so that's just my method. And I actually, because for me, although I'll be running the game, and it's mostly for me, it's not about the game. Uh, just about like, so, because we did this two years ago, uh, the same verses and everything. Uh, for me, it's just a refresher. So I got, I had time today to write down all the scripture references. I'm about halfway through writing down the actual scriptures for all of the, the ones that I passed out. So, uh, but we'll talk next week about like practical ways to memorize uh, and do that. But that's just a little, a little preview. So, uh, tonight we're going to talk about um, the power and effectiveness of speaking the words of Christ. Pretty much why you need to memorize Scripture, conform to Scripture, praise Scripture, and proclaim Scripture. Um, so, you know, just to review the, a little bit of the prayer stuff, there's a time to pray and there's a time to say, and pretty much to sum up everything we review, everything we talked about is it's all leading to, like, we need to pray, but we can't just, like, sit in our rooms and pray the entire time, right? If we pray for something, if we pray for effectiveness in evangelism, We'll never actually get those prayers answered unless we go out and evangelize. You can't pray that the word would speed ahead, convict somebody, 
you know, draw them into God and start uh, beginning the process of being birthed into the kingdom and then not go and proclaim the gospel. Right? So, um, so tonight we're going to, before we even get into the gospel, which will be the next actual teaching lesson, we're going to get into the powerful uh, effect of the words of Christ. So, um, basically the premise goes is that when we're out evangelizing, the reason why I passed out a, a scripture sheet of, you know, references to 45 verses are because those are the, some of the, uh, easiest, most didactic verses, uh, that you could easily pull up while you're evangelizing. So if someone says, you know, like they believe in, uh, you know, something, some God, but he's not necessarily the creator, but like people can create things. And they're like, well, uh, one of the attributes of God in scripture is that God is the creator. He's the one that's outside and above time. And it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's in Genesis one. Uh, you know, so you're giving a testimony from God's word, uh, to the people about what God has already said and established. Right. So, um, we kind of have to go on a presuppositional basis here of saying that, like, God's words are more effective than mine. <laughs> Maybe we can all agree on that. Uh, you know, I've heard John Luke talk sometimes, and that's pretty effective. Uh, but if it's not God's word, then it's, not, it's probably not as effective, right? So um, let's look at, let's go to the right, to Jane. Uh, I had to kind of like... So I got all the scripture verses on here today, except for maybe a couple. Uh, but to make it fit on the front and back of one page, I had to really format it. Uh, so there's really tiny letters, uh, Luke 9, 1 through 6. You want to read that? And then, Sam, can you read Mark 6, 7 through 13? And we just read those back to back. popular message people should repent <laughs> uh yeah so they like jesus didn't send them out like hey here's like all of these things are useful right we use these in evangelism today bible tracks uh and uh you know different pragmatic things but he didn't say like hey take these bible tracts and these things and pass them out to people 
Now, like, go proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. Go proclaim and preach that people should repent and turn to God and don't take anything extra or superfluous with you. Right? Then say, like, hey, go on ahead of me and build a stage and get a, like, put an invite out to all the local people uh, so they can come and hear uh, and get a light, get the lights, right? Because we're going to need lights. Uh, oh, they didn't have electricity back then. Uh, get a bunch of candles. Maybe we'll just do it during the day. Uh, you know, it wasn't like what we think of in our modern days of uh, what an evangelist looks like. They just went and preached the word because that's all they had. They had like uh, the clothes on their back. Uh, they didn't even have two tunics. And they had the gospel, right? So, um, I thought I reformed this a little bit. So, Amber, can you read that Romans 16, I'm sorry, 1, 16 through 17? Yeah, so what uh, I think most of us like know this to some degree if we've been around, um, you know, at least in RCF or good Reformed churches for a little bit of time, uh, is that it's like it's the preaching of the gospel that Romans says is the power for salvation for those who, who believe, right? So the necessary like re- prerequisites there is that someone has to preach, which we'll get into, you know, we've talked about Romans 10, 13 through 17. Uh, you know, I think it's on here somewhere, which we'll get to. You know, but uh, you know, all who call, whoever calls the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they supposed to call the name and whom they have never heard, or who they and how they supposed to, or who they've never believed, and how they believe unless they hear, and how they to hear unless someone preaches, and how they preach unless someone is sent. And you know, for faith comes through hearing, and hearing through the words of Christ. That like. People have to like actually hear the gospel. They have to understand it. It has to be clear to them, uh, and they have to receive it. That means we have to be able to do all those things, right? Like we have to be able like it's actually kind of amazing. You can do this as your own kind of litmus test uh, to see kind of where you're at. Is like go home uh, or think about it, write it out, do whatever, and be like, what's the gospel? I always ask people, you know, who I start meeting with, it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. I'd say, do you believe the gospel? I'm like, yeah, yeah, love the gospel. I'm like, okay, what's the gospel? And they're like, what? <laughs> I'm like, you just said you love the gospel, man. What is it? Tell me about it. Uh, and they're like, uh, I don't know, Jesus? I'm like, oh, Who's that? <laughs> What's that like? Because uh, we have like a, we've developed like at least in, in most of our Christian cultures, like we know these Christianese words and, and language and whatever. And we say we love these things, but we can't define them or, you know, as we'll get into, we'll be able to like explain them clearly, which means like we don't know it that well. <laughs> you know, uh, I think it was Einstein, there was a kind of famous quote of, pretty much to the degree I'm kind of butchering this, uh, that if you think you're smart in something, but you can't explain it to someone who doesn't understand, then you don't know it that well. 
right? And I think that applies. Uh, so go home, go into your secret place so that no one knows. Uh, take a notebook or something and write like what like what is the gospel? And if you can't explain it clearly, then that's something like if you want to become an effective evangelist or a discipler, which we're all called to do and be, then you need to be able to explain it clearly and simply. Right? I'll give you a hint. You could start by reciting the Nicene Creed. That would be a good start. Uh, so, Melody, can you read 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 25? And it's got 224 on there and also 420. Yeah, so something we're going to see that is a, like when we talk about like God's ways, we don't talk about like, well, what we mean by, you know, I can't think of exactly where, but there's multiple Psalms that says like, Lord, I love your ways or teach me your ways, uh, your paths, things like that. It's like, how does God normally operate in which way has he designed in his creation things to be ordained and operated and to be uh, incarnate? And one of those ways that is like very clear in Scripture is that God has chosen people from all eternity, that they are elected of God's chosen, that who is, who is going to show uh, steadfast love and kindness to. And he has also ordained other people who he's already called and elected and matured to some degree to go out and for them to preach the word. And for those people, right, the first people, to hear that and receive it. So, although in our limited, uh, this is all theoretical in, from this point on, so in our limited uh, mind where we view if the person doesn't ever hear the word, then they can't receive it, right? It's, uh, you know, as Paul says, uh, it's folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God, right? So as people hear the word, as people uh, not just hear scripture quoted to them, right? But they hear word, uh, the word paraphrased or the word preached or expounded or uh, an exhortation. Uh, they're people who have already been elected and, and known by God are going to hear it, receive Christ, and continue to be drawn in by him, right? And like what greater thing that would we want to be a part of than that? That's like your entire life's purpose. If you ever ever been wondering like what your purpose in life is, there you go. Glad you came to Tuesday Bible study. <laughs> you found it, All right? So that uh, 
So later in 1 Corinthians, it says the same thing. Byron, can you read that 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 1 through 5? Whoever, yeah. The, uh, I think it says James and John and Cephas and then 500 also. Uh, right? So it's like, um, so Paul preached the gospel. They received it. They were saved. They're continuing to be saved unless they believed in vain. Right? So it's always by the preaching of the gospel. Uh, so that's, you know, we've gotten away um, you know, the reason why we went back uh, at the beginning, I don't know if it was the beginning of, like, the series or when we talked about, like, why we need to go and re-examine this, like, especially starting in kind of thinking in just more modern culture of the church growth movement that started in the late 50s and 60s of, I don't know, like, I've never actually heard and I don't know of any except for one church today. Not like I know, you know, out of, like, maybe the hundred churches I can reference and think of, uh, that like actually have incorporated evangelism into the lifestyle of the church, like biblical evangelism, like going out, proclaiming, preaching Christ, and living a lifestyle uh, that would bear fruit and witnessing to others. Uh, we at RCF and GCF are not even close, which is why we're doing this. Uh, the only church that I know of um, that does it to any good degree would be uh, Apologia Church in Tempe, Arizona, which their name is Apologia Church, which is, uh, no, uh, which is Greek for uh, making a defense, apologetics, right? That's what they base their church off of, (laughs) is apologetics, about going out and uh, making a defense of the faith, and they do that um, pretty well. Uh, Probably a lot of you guys have heard of to some part Jeff Durbin uh, he's the head pastor there so uh, but like nobody does that today like nobody like incorporates evangelism into every day that every believer every member of the church should be going out proclaiming the gospel uh, you know so that people would hear it they actually have you know uh, just in this particular church they have enough resources to make uh, they've got a Mormon temple which is different than like a, like the only Mormon temple, the closest one we have in Ohio is in Columbus. Um, And they have one there in Tempe and they actually make like Bible tracks for uh, Mormons uh, and they stand outside regularly of the Mormon temple uh, and pass out Bible tracks and talk to people and interact with them. And uh, you'll see more of that when, uh, after finals week, when we do the workshops on Thursdays, uh, at the condo, uh, I'll probably show some of their videos and some of their materials to kind of show you guys what it's like to just like interact with someone of a pseudo Christian cult uh, out in the real world and how to do that. So, just a little plug for Thursdays. 
after uh, finals week. All right? So uh, God elects people to hear the gospel, uh, by which is that's the means by which God uses uh, for people to receive Christ and be saved, right? So if we don't preach, how are they ever going to how are they ever going to hear the gospel? Anybody? They won't. They won't, right? Uh, some people say like, well, God might give them a dream. Like, well, that that might be the case, but uh, that's not a normal pattern in Scripture. Uh, sure, God can do anything, but God doesn't do everything. Right? So then at 10, that Romans 10, 13, right, we, that's been a major reference in this whole series. Uh, like, how are they going to uh, hear the gospel and obey it if no one goes out and preaches? Uh, you know, something I thought about earlier today, you know, just a quick side plug for, like, why you should continue to uh, meditate on Scripture, not just, like, read it and memorize it, is, you know, I was thinking today, uh, how are they to, in verse 15, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? I was like, well, I was like, I never really thought about that, but uh, I guess, like, how many people would, like, go out and preach the gospel unless they weren't, like, directly sent? Probably very few. Uh, and my kind of own pragmatic, you know, experience with that is that, like, how many people went out to share the gospel regularly before we started the series and before uh, I texted people, like, four Fridays ago to go out? It was just Sam and Amber, right? You guys were the only people that were going out regularly, going table to table at Wright State. Um, you know, and then obviously Anvesh and Deanna, uh, probably a little bit more sporadic this year because you guys have been busy. But but you guys have done it, right? Um, I think, Jane, you went out a couple times, right? Right? So uh, the, what was that, St. Patty's Day? Yeah, St. Patty's Day weekend, all I did was give people like a day or two notice, and we got eight people to go out, which is pretty crazy. So how are people supposed to go out unless they're sent? Like, well, one of the things is that like the majority of people, you know, who are uh, somewhat, you know, or at least on a, uh, Sam Wante is not here, on a journey to uh, mature in Christ, are, you know, have a love uh, to share, uh, to share Christ, to evangelize. They have a desire for it. And they just need, you know, an outlet or to be facilitated to be able to do that. So I guess it's not as surprising to me when I would, you know, the next weekend after that, I gave people like a two-hour notice or something and say, hey, we're going to go out evangelizing. And we got like 11 people, right? So uh, there's at least like 11, 12, 13 people, to, you know, all together between those two weeks that are willing once, everyone, once we're all doing it, right? So once they're sent, uh, you know, I, I never really thought of that before. Like, how are they, like, if they're going to preach, won't they just go? Well, no, they kind of, most people just need to be sent, right? All right, and then John 5, uh, let's move on. John 5, 24 to 25. Uh, Deanna, can you read those? I think I only put John, you, you're going to have to look that up because I, I added verse 24, but I didn't put it on the, uh, I didn't put it on the sheet.
is now clear. When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Yeah, so then they're again just making the point that they're going to hear, like Christ says himself, that they're going to hear my voice, and the dead will come to life. Right? So, uh, that's the power of the word. We're going to look at um, the effect of the word, the effectiveness of the word. I kind of added that in. We didn't do that the last time we went through the series. Uh, not just the power, but also the effectiveness of speaking the words of Christ. So, you know, just as like uh, Jesus is the model or the pattern, he is the model and pattern of evangelism. He was sent by the Father, so we are also sent uh, to do the exact same thing, to preach. Jesus says, like, you know, uh, nothing that I've spoken to you I haven't heard from the Father, right? Uh, like nothing that we go out preaching uh, and quoting and uh, proclaiming should be anything uh, of our own accord. should all be what we hear uh, didactically through Scripture, through wisdom and knowledge of the Holy Spirit, uh, to interpret that and present it clearly, right? So uh, the power of speaking the word of Christ, uh, quote, not just quoting scripture, uh, but proclaiming it, praying it, and conforming to it, is that like, that's the only work by which like, we can actually have any hope that we will ever be effective. Um, so you know, just knowing that, like, I always try to think in terms of like, are we in what we're doing exalting uh, the sovereignty of God or man's works and you know which is why we went through the whole prayer thing is because if we don't have a lifestyle of prayer then we don't have a lifestyle of relying on God and we don't really believe God enough to make that incarnate to like actually spend time hours energy thought time we could be like watching YouTube videos or something or, uh, or hanging out or uh, that way you could be praying, you know? Um, you know, think about that, like, that's like, when we talk about that first, those first Corinthians passages, uh, not just like what we preach and proclaim is folly, but like, if you were to tell like an atheist or non-Christian, any non-Christian uh, religion that like, uh, if it came up in conversation or something, like, yeah, I'd probably spend like five hours a week dedicated to prayer. Like, you mean like, you know, just like sitting and talking to your God? Yeah. Well, sometimes it's corporate with other people, but most of the time it's just like at home, alone, for like an hour a day. You know, uh, atheists would think that you're the stupidest person alive, that you're wasting your time, right? It's folly to those who are perishing. Uh, but the, to those who God's making alive, they'd be like, wow, you have like that much love and dedication. Like, and they're going to, if they're being drawn in by God, they're going to be wonder like, why would you waste so much time? Why would you do that? And they're going to want to know more. Um, so, but all that to point out that, like, uh, when we go out proclaiming, like, if we're speaking or preaching anything apart from the words, knowing that, like, that's the only hope, that's the only thing that we have to rely on that will ever be effective, I could talk to somebody for hours and hours and hours and it not be effective. <laughs> and a lot of times I do. <laughs> Uh, you know, from my at least limited scope of perspective. But, uh, you know, we don't, have, we don't actually have any hope unless we're, like, preaching the gospel and proclaiming the words of Christ and being faithful to God's words. Like, so this is why you have to know. This is why, like, memorizing scripture is key. 
this is why like not just memorizing it but meditating on it and praying it is key because if you like if you're going off your own strength and you're just preaching something that you think uh like you're you really are wasting your time <laughs> like it's an absolute waste and you might as well go home and uh go waste your time doing something else i don't know <laughs> maybe like read the bible uh or pray for understanding or something or, or get discipled <laughs> i don't know uh but like we don't actually don't have like any other hope to bear fruit in other people apart from proclaiming the words of Christ. That's why like, you know, when, um, you know, meditating on it, like to reveal uh, that like the Lord would like give you something like another nugget of his truth to go deeper, to understand it better, to present it more clearly uh, is key. Like it's one thing that if you memorize 45 Bible verses, that is great. More power to you. Memorize 45 more, please. Uh, but, like, go a step further and meditate on them. Think about them. Uh, you know, when, uh, when I would do this stuff, like with the book, I would do one Bible verse a day, uh, focusing on, like, hitting, like, three one week and five the next week. Uh, so I'd be doing... Uh, you know, uh, 22 a month, 22 Bible verses a month. Uh, that was my goal. Uh, and that's like maybe not one verse, that's like selections of the scripture. So I would read the Bible verse the night before, think about what I'm going to memorize. I would work in the morning on memorizing it. And then I would just like meditate on that one verse or that whatever selection I'd done for the day. While I was working, when I got home, during dinner, and pulled out, I'd think about it, try to memorize it. Right, and then you know, a lot of times, like deeper things that the Lord revealed to would reveal to me in those moments where it wasn't just like trying to like get something memorized. It was also focused on on meditating on it to understand it better. Uh, um, I'm surprised I didn't put you know this, but it's probably the classical example of the effectiveness of Scripture is uh, Matthew 13, Luke 8, and Mark 4, the parable of the four soils, you know, where the sower goes out. It's like the only one that produces any fruit is the one which the seed is the word of Christ. The soil is, um, you know, the hearts of men. It's not clear who the sower is. I don't think, some people would say it's, it's God, but I think it's anyone who presents the word. Uh, but it's God that gives the growth. But, um, you know, it's only the one that like went deep into the hearts of men that produced any fruit. The one that grew up with the weeds didn't produce any fruit. That's a useless tree. But the point is that like the, the word of Christ, the words of scripture have to go deep in your heart to produce fruit. So that's not just for yourself to meditate on and to, to bear fruit in your life, but to be effective in others. It has to be the word, right? So let's move on. I put these, if you can see those little asterisks, uh, those are just breaks in thought in scriptures. Uh, but I didn't make any notation of what that thought was. So let's just read it and we'll find out. <laughs> so where are we at? Teresa. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 2.13. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it, but as it is in truth. Yeah. 
Can you look up those uh, 2 Thessalonians 3.1 and 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 through 8 and uh, the, the other 1 Thessalonians 2, 4 through 5? Yeah, so that first one, the the first lesson is two thirteen. Uh, Paul makes a pretty astounding statement that he preached the gospel and they didn't receive it as it was, the words of men, but in truth, in reality, and this is what you know and is true and is hard fact, that it wasn't the words of just mere men; it was the words of the very creator of the universe speaking to you. So that's pretty uh, bold statement of Paul to make, right? Uh, you know, we could make that same claim if we're confident that we're speaking the words of Christ. Uh, and that is what we should be doing, right? So, um, you know, one of the effectual works of the word is that the, you know, because we know that the word is the powerful uh, that changes people as the power of the gospel to save, right? So when people receive it, people will know. Like, one thing you'll know that people are starting to get drawn by God um, is if they really sense and know and don't treat you like as just, it's not just Sydney talking to me, it's God talking through Sydney, right? Because Paul says that's how they received it, at what it really was, God speaking through them, right? In that Second uh, Thessalonians 3, 1, you know, he's praying that the word would speed ahead, not that like uh, anything else would do its work ahead of the you know, the, the preachers or the proclaimers or the evangelists of where they're going to establish churches and, and preach the gospel. He says, you know, pray for us that the word would speed ahead, that the words of Christ would go ahead. Um, you know, and that, then going back to First Thessalonians, that 
uh, two through eight, you know, just another sign that you know uh, as you're talking to people, it's a good sign when people experience conviction. And he says that the word, uh, you guys receive the word and with full conviction, right? Uh, so I don't know if you guys have ever thought about this, but the first part of, um, you know, the gospel presentation that John the Baptist has and Jesus is repent, right? So repentance is turning away from something and turning to something else. But you can never repent if you don't feel convicted. That's like the very first part uh, of, you know, entering the kingdom of, of God is that, like, you're going to feel conviction. People are going to get convicted uh, of either their sin in various ways or that they don't know God, that they're in darkness, whatever, or however they want to word it. Uh, and then they're going to repent, and they're going to be birthed into the kingdom, because um, that's how God does it, right? So the word, the word speeds ahead, produces conviction, and people receive it in conviction. You know that, like, hey, God might actually like be doing something here, right? If you like, if end up getting like an investigative, evangelistic, investigative Bible study and start meeting with somebody and proclaiming the gospel, uh, and there's no conviction, um, either number one, you're not preaching anything that's convicting and you're not preaching the gospel, and they'll never be converted. <laughs> or you're preaching the gospel, and they should be experiencing conviction, uh, but they're not because their hearts are hardened. So if there's no conviction, if they don't receive it in conviction, like you, like you, that's not anything that you could produce in yourself. Uh, you have to be faithful to the word, but, and the word should experience, should produce conviction. But you know, just a sign that people actually are getting drawn by God, um, you know, getting birthed into the kingdom and, you know, starting to develop uh, love for, for Christ is that they'll experience con conviction. Um, you know, then in that First Thessalonians 2, 4 through 5, he says that, you know, we are entrusted with the words, so we speak, and we don't use words of flattery. Uh, you know, Paul says something similar in uh, the first part of First Corinthians, you know, that we don't... Uh, speak with lofty words, but, you know, we just, um, I'm going to butcher it, but, uh, like, we don't speak with lofty words. Like, we don't come and try to just persuade people in, like, you know, basic rhetoric. You know, it's, uh, I don't, I, I try not to use words that people don't understand. <laughs> this is a good tactic. Don't use words that people don't understand, uh, you know, while, while going out and sharing the gospel. Um, you know, and on that, uh, it's really easy. Like, if people don't know what repent means, we probably can't even use, like, in our Christian ease, just like when I said earlier, like, you know, I meet with people who have, like, either been in church or uh, believe they're Christians or maybe they're baby Christians, and I read them Romans one sixteen that whoever believes the gospel, uh, it's the power of God for salvation, and they say they love the gospel or whatever, or they know the gospel, and then you ask them what it is, and they're like, uh, <laughs> Uh, something, you know, uh, you know, if you if someone says like, yeah, they repent, or, or if you're if you're talking to somebody and you're evangelizing or discipling them and they don't know what repentance is, you might have to explain that to them. You might have to say it, you know, in clear, plausible words. You know, like basic Christian language for us and terminology might be, you know, I'm putting this in brackets, words of flattery to somebody else. Uh, one of the things we're going to get into somewhere on here 
is that like, you know, one of the things that Paul prays, I think twice, is that we should speak boldly and clearly as we ought to. Like to be able to present the gospel in as clear, like unhindered fashion uh, that anybody can understand is something that you could work on and pray towards, uh, but something that's going to be necessary in evangelism. Right? We can't just, no one's going to like, even if you think in natural-minded terms, like uh, if you spoke in like well-educated, you know, sentences and went through a rhetoric class and, and things like, and persuaded people, but they had no idea what you were talking about, like there's no way that's going to produce an effect. Like there's no way that possibly could produce effect if you're speaking, you know, in basic terms, a different language <laughs> than what people understand, right? So I'm just putting that all in like words of flattery, right? Um, of being faithful to just preach the gospel, understanding what it is, and saying it in clear fashion. And that's what's going to produce an effect, and that's what uh, is powerful. So, uh, Sydney. Next one, Isaiah fifty five eleven. Yeah, so that's kind of like the one of the locus classicus verses of like, you know, the effectiveness of the word, the word of the Lord is like it's going to go out. It has a purpose. The Lord has already ordained that by His words He creates and births people into the kingdom, uh, and it's not going to return void. It's not going to return empty. So what's the like the therefore uh, necessary that we have to do? We, we have to. We actually have to go out and speak it. Like we can't just like. You know, I can't look at John Luke and say, believe in the gospel with, like, you know, my Jedi powers or whatever shit. But, like, we actually have to go and say, hey, John Luke, Jesus died for you. He loves you. He wants you to come back. You can try my Jedi powers. Uh, Right? So this is, like, where actually, like, your your faith and your trust has to rely, and it's going to be a constant struggle of, like, wanting to, like, I go through this, like, all the time of, like, man, I just want to, like, I want to depart from being faithful to the word and the gospel, and I just want to get them in the RCF doors or in the church doors. But that's not ever going to work, right? It doesn't matter if, if someone comes to RCF or comes to GCF and uh, like becomes part of the community or the church and never produces any fruit. Like we were, like It's actually a constant struggle for me uh, to like lay off the gospel in order just to get people like more plugged into community or more plugged into the church or RCF or coming to meetings or something, right? But that's like totally fallacious. That will never work. That will never produce fruit in people. That will never like bring people closer to God, right? So uh, especially when it lays like when I'm talking particularly in terms of uh, conviction and calling people to like repent and uh, as that Romans um, 17, you know, but they have not all obeyed the gospel of being obedient to the gospel, being obedient to the law, to the word, to Christ, uh, out of uh, heart of love, 
And, you know, telling people that, like, if they really don't produce any fruit and they're not producing any fruit, there's a clear sign that, like, their heart is far from God, right? So they don't need, like, me getting them in the church doors. They don't need me to convince them and persuade them of why they need to do something that's extra biblical or, like, not gospel foundational, uh, which getting them, like, by the way, like, getting them into the, as you can see, uh, the next four messages, point C, the last thing on the, is using the local church as a critical resource. Yeah, I do want the, I do want to get them in the church doors. I do want to get them in the meetings uh, because they will hear the words of Christ, be there. But if it's not like laying a gospel foundation, if it's not relying on the word to do the work and it's all me and I'm going to do it and I'm going to persuade these people, right? And they're going to, they're going to do something, but I'm going to lay off conviction and not preach the gospel, right? It's useless because uh, God has already said that his word is going to be sent forth to accomplish its purpose. He already has a purpose. He already has a means of how it's sent. He already has um, called and chosen people. They need to hear their words. They don't need to like hear me do or my opinions or anything like that. They need to hear the gospel, right? They need to hear the words of Christ presented clearly. So let's flip over to the back. Uh, where are we at? Adam, can you read Colossians 1, 5 through 6? Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you. As indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God. Yeah, so how many people have been through like the Bible and the portents of Bible study? Uh, search the scripture series one one a uh, that's like kind of is that the knowledge one like all the different knowledge words uh, no that's part three that's the same series uh, but later on the first one the very the kind of foundation is like all the Bible verses uh, that we could fit on six pages uh, front and you know three pages front and back six pages total of what the Bible says about the Bible or what the scriptures say about the Bible how many people have like read that or been through it Okay, everyone's like scared to raise their hand because I know like half of you have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anybody else? Just two people. <laughs> okay. Great. Deanna, thank you. On <laughs> You guys teach this to people all the time. <laughs> it's so hard to raise your hand. Uh, right? Like we have like six pages of just listing scripture and the effect of like what it is, what it is and what it does. Um, and one of those is, is this verse, is that it bears fruit and is increasing as it always does, and it does it among you. Like, what else would you expect from the Word to do except to bear fruit and increase as it always does, right? That's Paul's, like, claim, and that just the opening, you know, uh, opening letter to, to, in, to Colossians, right? There's nothing else that's going to, like, bear fruit. There's nothing else that's going to continue to increase and cause the increase. Uh, it's the word of the truth. It's the gospel. It bears fruit, uh, as indeed in the whole world it has, right? Wherever it goes, it bears fruit. You know, uh, Paul makes some pretty amazing claims, you know, later in the first chapter of Colossians that uh, the gospel has already gone out into the whole creation. Uh, and I think he says again, uh, bears fruit. Uh 
but like, so this is why like memorizing scripture is so important. This is all about like leading up to next week of like, <laughs> have you memorized the scripture? Have you taken, like, have you actually like uh, understood this enough uh, that you've like taken time to either download an app, uh, write out note cards, get a little book, uh, waste time of your life and of your day to memorize scripture, to meditate on it. And just be obedient to Christ. Because <laughs> I could, like, we did this two years ago, and I went really, really easy on, on the leaders that went through it. Uh, and, you know, uh, for like to be, I'm just gonna, in brackets for people in the podcast, to be qualified, to be going out and sent, and to be like, you know, to get at least, I'll say this, I'll leave any elders or official GCF or RCF people out of it. I'll just take this upon myself. To be backed by me. Uh, if anybody even wants that, <laughs> uh, would be like you have to memorize at least. Uh, what did we? Do you remember Anvesh or uh, Deanna, Sam, What's Amber? Were you there? Uh, I know we did the the basic matching. Like here's the scripture reference and here's the 45 verses, and you have to match them up, and you have to tell me what the five vital signs of life are, and the five steps to entering Christ's kingdom, and the three ministries that every person has. And the three uh, uh, the three types of discipleship. I think that was maybe it. Was there anything else? And that's like just uh, that's just like very basic. That's like that was going like really easy. <laughs> that's like uh, and then I think I did something else similar to that, just without scripture verses uh, for the RCF leaders uh, at the beginning of the fall or something, right? Uh, I still haven't even graded those papers. <laughs> All of them. You mean the one at the beginning of the year? So, but that's like just being very like basic and and to just be like kind of equipped to, for modern day on how to go out and be like somewhat effective in evangelism. Um, and I was explaining this to someone just last night going through like, let's go through like 150 years ago 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago, and then 2,000 years ago on just the types of culture that were in Christianity that would raise up the next generation uh, to become disciples of Christ. And if you, like obviously the most, uh, well, we, not obviously, maybe it's not obvious to everybody, but when we went through it, like the time of Christ was the, the best and most effective time of things that were implemented in the church as a whole and in the culture to raise up the next generation of disciples just within families. And I'd be willing to bet, and we went through like this, just those year frames, that time frame of like nowadays, uh, like we're not even doing a good job of evangelizing and discipling our children where most people that are raised in the church by their mid twenties haven't even like had a few discussions, let alone like Bible studies with their parents or father. Uh, I know that's not everybody, but the majority of people have not, right, that are raised in the church. Um, and that's just, like, very sad. We can't even, like, evangelize our children. We can't even be, like, our culture is just so uh, against the authority of Scripture to do it by God's ways and God's patterns, because that's what's going to be effective, uh, and, and not just against it, but ignorant to it. So... Like, that is, you know, uh, it was a lighter, like, to only memorize, like, 45 
verses is like a light thing. It's very easy. Everybody in this room could do that in three weeks. And everybody can like implement that and use that in evangelism, right? So, and that's the only thing, that's the only hope that we were ever going to have in bearing any fruit. Um, not just in, like when I say evangelism, of when we go out and share the gospel, like on the streets or here at Wright State from table to table, uh, you know, but also like I consider it's still evangelism until we bring someone through what we call the five steps, until they enter a New Testament lifestyle of what is a biblical pattern of what a Christian should be doing on his way to maturity, right? Like maturing in Christ. Uh, you're still evangelizing to somebody until they've done that. <laughs> like, until they've gotten, like, water baptized and obedient to Christ and joined a community and love fellowship and start reading the Word and, and all these things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and just a side note of, you know, when he says, like, the Word of truth, the gospel, uh, you know, when we're out, like, when we're actually, like, out evangelizing, you know, one of the things I'll bring up probably... Uh, on the first like workshop is you know the locus classicus for evangelism is First Peter three fifteen, uh, which most people jump to. Be prepared to make a, a reasonable defense of the faith that you have within you when someone asks. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. But we generally skip over sanctify Christ uh, in your heart, sanctify Christ as King in your heart, or something, or sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. That's the first part. Is that's the first part of like. Uh, you know, evangelizing, like, this is the truth. So when someone tells me uh, that, like, well, I don't believe or, you know, I don't think this way, we're like, well, I know the truth is that uh, murder is bad because God's word says it. The truth is that I know that God created the earth uh, by the power of his word because that's what the word said, right? This is the truth. This is reality, and this is the only thing, you know, going from that, the only thing that makes sense, and I can assert that this is truth. Right, and that I know this for sure. Uh, and you have to do that, as First Peter says, sanctify that in your heart, sanctify Christ as Lord. All right, so um, does that make sense? Yes. Like, if you don't ever take the steps to actually be obedient to Christ, to memorize Scripture, meditate on it day and night, don't let the words of the law, don't let the words of this book depart from your mouth, mm-hmm. uh, then you don't actually get it. Right, use that as a litmus test. Another one uh, of like if you don't actually memorize scripture, if you don't actually, um, you know, take the necessary steps to, you know, do what the Lord has already you know revealed in scripture to be effective in evangelism, evangelism to bear fruit in people, uh, you know, then do you really get it? I would say probably not. Uh, so where are we at Anvesh uh, yep Therefore, 
we are ambassadors for Christ. God's making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. Yeah, so I think uh, Paul's making the same claim that he does to the, the church uh, at Thessalonica in the First Thessalonians 2.13. He's saying, like, God's making his appeal to you through me, right? So uh, we could probably, in some sense, take that too far. Um, but, uh, but the truth is, like, if we have the mindset of when we go out that, like, uh, this isn't just like, you know, theoretical abstract, but like God actually wants to use you to talk to people to proclaim the gospel. He's making, like, God is going to make his appeal through people, through other Christians, to those who he's called and elected. And that's the only way it's, it's going to ever happen. Uh, you know, the only, the, only verse, the only time in Scripture that didn't happen, I can think of, is the Apostle Paul, uh, where Christ converted him there on the spot. <laughs> Uh, but that's not common. That's not like uh, anything else that happens to anyone who's not an apostle. Uh, although Barnabas is claimed is called an apostle, and I don't know Bar- Barnabas's conversion though. But I think he was there. Uh, Barnabas had to have been there while Christ in his ministry, uh, although he's not mentioned in the Gospels. But I think it's pretty clear from the account in Acts that Barnabas. Uh, was there was not converted after Pentecost or anything or after the resurrection, so uh, that might just be a distracting side note. Um, but you know, second, I think it's Second Corinthians four one that says like this is how one ought to uh, consider us as bond servants or slaves of Christ uh, and ministers uh, of oh man. No, I can't remember it. John, look, are you there? Yes. Second Corinthians Therefore, 4. since we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. Oh, let's try 1 Corinthians 4.1. Okay, 1 Corinthians 4. Could be second, could be first. Well, that was your second. Yeah, let's try first. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Yeah, that's the part I was missing. Stewards of the mysteries of God. And this is how one ought to, you know, regard us, right? But moreover, that every steward must be found faithful or trustworthy, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, you know, if you think of, like, the Western church as a whole, uh, you know, over time, we've been very faithful as a whole for theology and biblical studies for to some degree, if at least, like, you know, uh, maybe not founded on the uh, the authority of the scriptures, but at least like study, like in the West, we take that more seriously, right? We've been kind of faithful throughout the last couple hundred years of that. Uh, but of evangelism, like in the last hundred years, like as the church of a whole, we have not been trustworthy, we've been not been found faithful, we haven't been faithful in what uh, the Lord has given us. But if we're stewards and we're of the mysteries of God and we're ambassadors of Christ, we have to be found trustworthy. We have to go out and preach. We have to go out and evangelize. Like, we have to get out there. We have to do whatever it takes. Uh, if it's overcoming fear of man, if it's overcoming laziness, if it's overcoming apathy, not knowing the gospel, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, it, there's no excuse that I can find in Scripture 
uh, is what we're going to look at the next verse. Is like I can't find any excuse of why every Christ, Christian shouldn't be out evangelizing and making disciples. There's no real indication in Scripture that I've ever seen uh, that when Jesus says, you know, go therefore and make disciples of all nature, nations, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, uh, that that's like just for church leaders or people that have like a calling to evangelism or a gifting. Like I don't, I don't see it. Does anybody see it differently? The only exception I could literally even think of is maybe someone who is like mentally handicapped but is still like part of a Christian family. That's probably like the only thing I can think of though, because like they literally couldn't articulate that. But yeah, like that's probably a, makes them a Christian. Yeah, that's probably awful. one uh, <laughs> obscure case, but that's probably true, right? Uh, if you couldn't. Uh, or if you're a Christian and you're in a coma, <laughs> you might you might go shake them and say, "What's your problem? <laughs> Get up!" <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, Let's not. Right. Obviously, if they couldn't uh, physically, but you know, for the 99.99 percent of of people who profess uh, faith and and lordship in Christ, uh, I don't see anything that of any reason why right except for maybe you can make a kind of you can make an excuse the well, well i haven't been sent it says how are we supposed to preach unless someone sends and i haven't been sent and put you can put you can pass the buck to someone else uh but you can't because i'm sending you <laughs> you could you could join another church and you could blame them <laughs> it's possible right so, like, I don't see anything, uh, you know, just, like, make the case again. Like, I think we've been very, like, unfaithful to some degree of, like, we're entrusted as ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. We have no other choice. We don't get a choice whether we get to, like, obey Christ in this or obey Christ in this. Like, I really like, you know, uh, you know, obeying Christ on the things I like, like, worship or something but like he tells me like you know those like you can't be like sensual and gluttonous and live out of the flesh like I don't like that <laughs> my flesh doesn't like that I like I ate pizza twice for two meals yesterday and an, an exorbitant amount <laughs> and it was delicious uh, you know but like you don't get a choice of like what sins you know you get to submit to Christ and what sins you don't uh, you don't get to choose like where you get to obey Christ, not just in sins, but like uh, in all levels of obedience. You don't get a choice of whether you uh, are an ambassador of Christ or not. He's already said you're an ambassador of Christ. You're already supposed to go share the gospel. You're already supposed to make disciples. That's not like an optional extra for the more mature. That's like for everybody. That's for like babies, <laughs> right? I always think it's kind of amazing. Uh, so Paul, a baby in Christ, you know, through the uh, through his testimony in Acts eight, right? Acts eight, twenty three and twenty six, uh, he, he tells his testimony and his conversion uh, three different times. And if you put them all together, like it's very clear that at Damascus, the place he was heading to, where he was converted uh, after he you know gets healed, however long he stayed there, he starts preaching in the synagogues. But he wasn't sent out by the church or by the Holy Spirit until about 14 years, or until 14 years later. 
to go plant churches and fulfill his ministry, but he started doing it like as soon as he was converted. He was a baby in Christ, just like submitted to Christ, but he went to the synagogues and started preaching in the same place he was going to kill people and arrest them, like within probably a week or two. Because uh, that was in his heart. He was like, wow, <laughs> we got to tell people. <laughs> right? So, uh, Jonathan Garrett, Acts 4.20. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Yeah, we can't help it. Like, that's the only excuse you have of, like, I can't stop. Like, if anyone ever tells you to stop, that's the only excuse you can have is, I can't help it, as if they tell you to stop speaking about Christ or obeying Christ or whatever, right? Like, we should be able to get to a point in our, uh, you know, by the grace of God of, like, our view of God's sovereignty and our calling and election of, like, what else would we do with our lives except for, like, preach the gospel, crucify our flesh, become more holy, advance the kingdom. Like, that's what your whole life is all about. And the superfluous things are, like, marriage, friendship, career... Uh, I shouldn't say superfluous. Those are like the extras, uh, you know, that we get to experience on top of, like, building Christ's kingdom, obeying him, crucifying the flesh, being an ambassador, you know, to Christ. Those are, like, those are the foundational things. Uh, But, like, what else would we be doing except for, like, proclaiming Christ all the time, 24-7, to everybody we meet? Like, how many times do we get together with people and, like, talk about other things? Like, nobody here is really into sports, so it's not a common thing to talk about sports. Or, And there's none of Burke's girls here to talk about horses. Uh, I don't know if you guys talk about other things. I said there's not enough Burke's girls. There's only one. <laughs> uh, you know, but, like, when, like, even when we're getting together, you know, in our own, you know, communities, you know, another, I'll just put another litmus test out there. Uh, today's all about testing yourself um of like when you get together like do you want to like talk about christ and the gospel and scripture and what the lord's doing and how we're going to advance the kingdom and or do you want to talk about like i don't even know what people talk about uh music or horses or or their movies movies or something i don't know yeah so, you know, what do we, like, what are we, like, what can we not stop talking about? That's where your heart is, right? The, out of the, the heart speaks out of abundance of the mouth. Uh, because that's where, that's where your heart lies. Uh, so if you can't stop speaking the words of Christ, you can't stop speaking about what he's done and being an ambassador to him, then you're on a, you know, pretty good track to obtaining the grace of God and becoming more mature, right? I don't belong in the women's yeah, maybe some single guys belong in the women's ministry. I know there's no. been a lot of uh, single guys no. trying to no. get into the women's prayer meetings. Yeah, like Sam. <laughs> hey, Sam we're, hey, we're not naming names here. <laughs> Sam Moante, who's uh, we can't we can't call him out if he's not here. <laughs> He'll listen to the podcast. Uh, all right, so let's move on. Uh, where are we at? John Luke, John five thirty nine, and John six sixty three. <laughs> this is from the NASB. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. 6 verse 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. 
The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. Yeah, and I'm just going to throw in there uh, so we can kind of at least acknowledge these scriptures. Uh, Hebrews 4.20, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joint and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So, because uh, I kind of want to get to a secondary outline that only I have. I've got an esoteric outline here. Secret knowledge. Uh, <laughs> uh, it will be revealed. I'm a steward of the mystery of Christ, and I'm going to present it clearly and plainly. Uh, so there is always, no matter what, I would say, uh, I can't be conv- I haven't been convinced otherwise in Scripture, that no matter what, whether that person is foreknown, predestined, and elected by God, or if they're not, if you speak the words of Christ and present the gospel, there is always an effect. That effect is not always conversion. You're not going to convert someone that's not called by God. It will never produce a conversion of someone who's not called by God. But I believe uh, that there's no neutrality and that the word is always living and active. The words are always spirit and life. The, Christ is always speaking whenever those words are spoken or presented or the gospel is presented to somebody. There's always an effect. Either that person is getting watered and planted and God's giving the growth, or that person comes uh, more and more uh, acknowledgeable cognitively of their hatred of God and how much of an enemy they are and want to be. So uh, we'll get to that here in a minute. I kind of want to go through these um, scriptures. Let's go back down to uh, Morgan and that First John 1, 1 through 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life has made manifest, and we have seen it, and, t- and testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Yeah. So, uh, you know, just going back, like our responsibility is to just proclaim and be faithful to the word, to be, we're stewards of the mysteries of Christ, we're bond servants to Christ, and we must be found trustworthy and faithful. Uh, well, that's where we say there's a time to pray and there's a time to say, we can't just like sit around and pray all the time <laughs> and not go out and do what we've been called to do, right? So, you know, uh, I hope that this like, produces in everybody just a more uh, zealous, diligent pursuit of understanding the gospel, being able to speak it more clearly, like more centering that on the focus of your entire life and existence uh, in every way, you know, not just in proclamation, but in lifestyle evangelism, um, memorizing whole books of the Bible, large sections of scripture or whatever. Uh, so just to reiterate, like our responsibility, 2 Timothy 2.15 uh, says, whoops, that's 1 Timothy. Let's try 2 Timothy. Um, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Uh, I'm going to skip to the next 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 2. Uh, I charge you in the presence uh, presence of God and of Jesus Christ who is to judge the living and the dead um, and by his appearing and his kingdom preach the word 
Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Uh, probably not to go. That was just one and two. Titus, one nine. Although this is a qualification for for elders, uh, you know he must hold firm the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound or healthy doctrine, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. But uh, I can't remember if it was in this series, but if you look at the qualifications for elders, it's very, very simple, very basic. Hope we can all shoot to obtain for that. Although we don't, won't all obtain to the office, we can all obtain to the maturity, which I don't think uh, any of us would say is like a really, really high standard, except for like above reproach, which is the only one that's mentioned in three times between Second Timothy and, uh, and Titus. So, and then, uh, but be able to teach healthy doctrine and, uh, and preach the word. And then Colossians 1, 25. Uh, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. All right? So, to make the word of God Fully known, and then Colossians four, three through four. Uh, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Right. So our responsibility is to preach the word, be ready in season, and be ready out of season to preach the word, preach sound doctrine, be ready, preach the word, make it clear. Preach the word, rightly handle the word of truth, preach it again, make it clearer, right? <laughs> All right, so uh, let's divert from, let's go to this esoteric outline. Uh, if anybody wants this one, you can just, uh, these are just, again, just scripture verses. Um, of uh, which I just labeled, there's no neutrality. There's absolutely like no neutrality anywhere in the universe, especially in people. Uh, so the claim that scripture makes is either you're of your father, uh, God, or you're of your father, Satan. And there's no in between. You can't be like an illegitimate child of like anything else or anyone else, right? Uh, either you're in the kingdom of light or you're in the kingdom of darkness. Either you're reconciled to God and you're allies and friends with him, or you're enemies to God. And there's no in-between. There's no, like, there's no Sweden. <laughs> there's no neutrality. There's no, uh, there's no middle ground. Uh, either you're actively pursuing, uh, and whether cognitively, cognitively or not, uh, your hatred and rejection and running away from God, or you're running towards them. There's no like standing still. You're always moving. Uh, some of us are like doing football practice where we're running this way, and we're running this way, and we're running this way, <laughs> and we keep running back. Uh, but let me just read these real quick because this has to do with uh, the effectiveness of God's word because it always produces effect. Either it's a producing effect in people's hearts to draw them closer to Christ, where they're planting, sowing, reaping through the words of Christ, to an effect that brings, that God's giving the growth in to reap a harvest, 
or we're planting sowing and preaching the words of Christ and people are actively more cognitively rejecting and hating God. That's my premise through these scripture verses, right? Uh, which some of these we have kind of read. Uh, I'll just read the shorter ones. Colossians 1.13, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. Right? You're either in the kingdom of darkness or a kingdom of His beloved Son. Ephesians 2.12, Remember that you were uh, at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So you're either separated from Christ and alienated, you're not in the commonwealth of Israel, you're either, like even geographically speaking, in geographic Israel, you're either in or you're out. <laughs> There's no like, I know, I know you can stand uh, somewhat, you only have two feet, so I'm still not sure if there's like that point in America where you can be in four states at once. Yeah, but, you, but you only got like two feet, so you can really only kind of be in... Two hands. Yeah, you can maybe get down and uh, be beastly or something. But like you're either in or you're out. You're either part of Israel or you're not part of Israel, right? You're either people of God or not people of God. You either have God and have hope or you don't have God and you don't have hope. There's no in-between. Romans 5.10 uh, everyone loves, uh, I use this one because like everyone loves like, you know, while we'll, we're still sinners, Christ died for us. But because of our modern evangelical state of like, sin's just like a kind of bad thing that I kind of did once and it's not that big of a deal, but he still died for me. So it's, that's great. Because uh, we've like lessened and watered down what it is, what sin is and what sins are and what a sinner is. Uh, I prefer to use Romans 5.10. Uh, for while we were enemies, uh, for if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more now uh, that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life, right? So you're either enemies of God uh, or you're not. It doesn't, like, there's no, in Scripture, there's no neutrality. There's no person that's, like, in between. Uh, the closest I can think of is, I think it's in Joel, where it says, like, Whoa, whoa, multitudes in the valley of decision, right? That's probably like the clear, closest thing anyone can maybe make a argument to say that there's neutrality, but like no decision is still a decision. Like you're not, if you're not radically, there's only one type of disciple in, uh, in scripture, especially in the New Testament, like one who was like radically following Christ and becoming more obedient and holy. Did it in Revelation where um, the angel was getting a note to Oh, what happens to the lukewarm? Yeah, but if they stay lukewarm, where are they? What happens? They get spewed out. They get vomited out. <laughs> like Jesus doesn't want that. He either wants you to be hot or cold, right? Uh, like so, you like so. If you think you're neutral, you're not neutral, and you're gonna get spit out. Uh, so we have to take, number one, like in a theological sense, you have to, uh, it's not like, oh, they're like kind of a good person, whatever. Uh, all people are evil. All people outside of Christ are actively hating Christ and rejecting him. Romans 8, 1, 18 uh, says that from the wrath, of, the wrath of God has revealed been revealed from heaven against all uh, unrighteous, ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by unrighteousness suppress the truth. People suppress the truth and all people know that God exists, if you keep going in Romans, uh, 
whether they acknowledge it or not. How do I know that? How do I know that's a hard fact? Because the Bible said so. <laughs> so if that means like the Aborigines who have never heard of Christ, guess what? They know God exists and they reject him, whether cognitively or not, because the Bible says so. Uh, and their only hope is to hear the words of Christ, to have someone proclaim the gospel to them, uh, and for them to receive Christ. Right? That's the only hope. So, uh, uh, Luke eleven twenty three. whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Romans 9, 11 through 13, uh, I'll just, uh, yeah, well, I guess I'll read the whole thing, whole thing. Though they were not yet born, this is obviously talking about Jacob and Esau. We read this a little bit on a couple Thursdays ago. Though they were not yet born and uh, had done n- nothing, either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, he was told the older will serve the younger, as is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Right? So you're either loved by God or you're hated by God. And we're going to get to the powerful effect of the word, words of Christ on the non-elect. So here's what we should expect. We've talked about, like, as ambassadors of Christ on the positive side, uh, that, you know, when we speak the words, people are going to get convicted, experience repentance, uh, you know, be birthed into the kingdom, and become radical followers of Christ, right? But what happens to the non-elect? Well, you should still, you should, the, the words of Christ are so powerful and effective, you should still expect an effect. So John eight thirty seven. I know that you are of your offspring Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. Uh, the more and more, like this is on a linear time frame, the more and more Christ preached, the more and more those who hated him wanted to kill him until they got what they wanted, <laughs> right? Up until his crucifixion. Uh, until they were like, yeah, give us Barabbas. Let's crucify Jesus. <laughs> uh, you know, so um, Luke 4 uh, I've got 16 through 29 on this, but this is clearly not that many verses. Uh, when they heard these things, oh, so this is when Jesus is preaching in his hometown town of Nazareth. He quotes Isaiah 61, uh, 1 through 2, and they love him for it. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, uh, at the beginning they love him for it. They say they're all amazed at his knowledge and uh, his preaching. Uh, because that's like the Lord, Lord has uh, preached to you and the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, some good news to the poor and everything. Uh, so when they had heard these things in all the synagogues, they were filled with wrath and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. So, uh you know, this is like, what do we expect when we preach? Well, if people don't want to throw you off the cliff, what are you preaching? <laughs> don't preach near cliffs is the moral of the story. <laughs> Who pre- <laughs> don't make it easy for them. Uh, if they're going to really persecute you, make it hard. Uh, right? But that's what we should expect. Like Jesus later says, you know, in the after the Beatitudes, like, you know, that's why, because the effects of the words of Christ are so powerful in every aspect and respect, is that uh, those who hate Christ will hate you, and we should expect persecution. So uh, another, we're going to, this is the word of the day, another litmus test you can do. If we're out preaching and people don't uh, actively, like, 
hate you and reject you, then we're probably not preaching uh, according to the gospel, according to the words of Christ. We should experience the same effect that Christ had. Uh, and I could, like, one of the, because we'll do this in the workshops of, like, you know, just basic, I'll show you, because we can't go out, and I can't guarantee you that I can show you how someone's going to hate us. Uh, but I could show you videos of other evangelists out there. Uh, I just watched one last night at, like, 2 a.m., uh, of people who uh, actively preach uh, against uh, abortion and murder of unborn children near like Planned Parenthood and abortion mills and stuff like that. Uh, and this lady was getting like physically aggressive and like to where she was like punching people because she hated it. Like, you know, it's through a organization that, you know, just how they did the abolitionists in uh, for slavery would hold up like graphic signs and make it clear and evident to people like this is what's going on. This is how they, you know, did it in uh, Wilberforce's day, um, you know, of making it like through like education, like, hey, this is what the slave trade is doing. These are people. We can't be doing this. Uh, the same thing in modern day with abortion. There's people who hold up graphic signs uh, of killed people uh, saying this is what goes on in there. And what's the effect of people who love killing, love murder, hate God? Well, they're going to hate you. And they're going to become physically violent. Um, sometimes. Sometimes they'll come physically violent. Uh, so Acts 2, 20, 22, 22. Uh, this is, uh, I'm trying to think in context. Uh, was this the riot? Uh, or no, this is when they're preaching and it says something about Gentiles being converted, I believe. Uh, so look at this in context. Acts 22, 22. Up to this word, they listened to him, but... Uh, then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. So the apostles got, uh, got persecuted. <laughs> they, uh, there might even be a typo. That might be uh, Acts 8.22. I'd have to look. Because I know up to the point of when, uh, before Stephen was stoned, everything was great up until he said that like God has pretty much rejected you uh, and he's giving his word to the Gentiles is the last word. And it says, it says up until this word, then they wanted to kill him and stone him because uh, they hated that. John seventeen fourteen, I have given them your word and the word uh, and the word has hated them. And the, I'm sorry. Let me start over. John seventeen fourteen. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Right. High priestly prayer. Uh, Romans 1, 18 through 21, uh, which I think is on our scripture memorization, you know, uh, which we already kind of mentioned. Uh, so the word produces an effect no matter who it goes to. It always produces an effect. So uh, all we have to do is be faithful. All we have to do is present it clearly, understandably, uh, in such a way that we're being faithful um, to God in his word, right? That's all we have to do. Uh, we have to meditate on it, understand it, conform to it, pray it, preach it. There you go. Do that the rest of your life. Yes, your uh, so going back to our non-esoteric outline. Uh, so if anybody wants those, just email me. Uh, I'll 
I don't even think I have that in a document. I'll, I pulled that from two years ago. I'll type it up and send it to you and, and redo it just for you if anyone sends me an email. Um, so we're going down to on the back, two scriptural metaphors or word pictures, A, sowing, cultivating, and reaping. Uh, there is no harvest without sowing, Matthew 13, right, sowing the words of God. Uh, where are we at? Jane, will you read that Ecclesiastes uh, 11, 4 through 6? Yeah, so let's just use something that God has already established in Scripture and use metaphors of sowing and reaping. How many possible plants, and we're, the word of Christ we're talking about uh, sowing, right? How many possible, if I sow five seeds, what is the total number of possible plants that could be sprouted? Five. Five, right? Five, one seed produces one plant, as far as I know. <laughs> <laughs> you work with numbers, right? <laughs> it's, it's not a trick question. If you plant five seeds, the total possible plants that could, pra- could plant is five. Now, that is, those can produce, you know, uh, hundreds of times over, thousands of times over fruit that could produce hundreds of thousands of times over uh, more plants to produce millions of more plants or fruit or whatever, right? But if I don't plant any seeds... How many seeds can be sprouted? Zero. Zero, right? So just as Ecclesiastes says, like, uh, see diligently, like, throw it out there. Like, you should be like, don't limit it to just five. Like, uh, you know, as we're sowing the words of Christ in the gospel, uh, don't sow sparingly. So uh, knowing that, like, it'll be effective, uh, and it's not based on you. God gives the growth, and uh, uh, in faith that, like, if we if we if we sow out a thousand seeds, the Lord could, at the maximum capacity, produce a thousand plants, <laughs> right? Uh, but if we only do five, we can only produce five. So, uh, just use that as a scriptural metaphor of like why we need to continue to sow and continue and continue and continue. Uh, through the whole evangelism process, which you know brings us to our second metaphor, the new birth, uh, reconciliation, and regeneration. Sam, can you read that last one, uh, John 3, 5? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, cannot enter the kingdom of God. Yeah. So go plant, give scriptural materials, lead Bible study, studies, water, cultivate, harvest. Uh you know, in the natural, uh, you guys, most people have probably heard Greg's analogy. That well, it's not Greg's analogy or explanation of uh, this, like Christ's analogy of uh, being born. Like a natural person takes nine months in the womb to be formed until they're birthed into the world, right? Mm-hmm. But then they still need to be nursed and cherished and loved and taken care of and change their diapers and they get old enough and you get to spank them and whatever uh uh you know but like it takes nine months to get like out of the womb for a healthy individual same thing spiritually like nobody gets converted overnight i don't i believe 
Paul was converted and overnight, uh, you know, he was, um, you know, converted to the Lordship of Christ and realized that. Uh, but, like, he wasn't, like, a mature Christian. Like, it took some time. Uh, he wasn't, like, uh, he was pretty zealous, you know, from the, from the get-go. But even in his radical, you know, conversion of overnight, uh, he still had to grow and learn and meditate on Scripture and, uh, and, and be birthed, right? So the same thing, like, and I don't think anybody in here is Paul. Uh, I don't think, uh, you know, well, if we're going out and preaching, then no one we're going to preach to is Paul. Uh, but people are going to be birthed into the kingdom, like, and built up and have, like, you know, spiritually in the womb, like, have bones formed and joints formed until they're birthed into the kingdom. Uh, you know, Christ says, like, no one comes to me unless the Father draws them, right? There's a process of drawing. Even using that word alone is, like, uh, Christ didn't say, like, no one, like, instantly comes to me unless the Father instantly makes them. He says, like, drawing them, wooing them, bringing them in. It's a process. Keep planting and sowing. Uh, last, uh, well, I was, I'm going to go back to the, this outline here a second, but last thing on this outline um, is that uh, working for a third wave, like a higher-end coffee shop, Boston Stoker, in my free time I would like research, and part of the training thing was like learning about coffee and uh, coffee plants, and it was like really enthralling, like just to learn about like a coffee plant, it takes like three to five years to produce a single fruit uh, just for one, to get one coffee bean out of one plant. It takes three to five years to start producing fruit. Uh, and like there's like an immaculate number of, uh, not immaculate, there's an incredible number of like things that they do in those three to five years of like where they planted and it's like gotta be on this hillside like a northern facing slope at the right altitude and they prune and they give it special uh, soil and then they like after they like grow it like in a greenhouse then they plant it on the side of the hill and it's like amazing what they do to go through the process uh, of just starting to produce fruit after three to five years but it's not like really good until like seven years. Uh, hopefully prayerfully that uh, we're not going to take seven years to build into people to start producing fruit. Hopefully, by the grace of God, we start doing it earlier, right? But that's kind of up to God uh, and up to our willingness. So uh, our next four messages, uh, we're going to get into the gospel. <laughs> we're finally going to get there uh, in two weeks, three weeks. I'm sorry, three weeks. Uh, because of the finals week in three weeks. Uh, and I'll be at the condo on Thursdays, or on Tuesdays, same time, different place. And then on Thursdays will be practical ways of how we can actually start going out and what you would physically be doing uh, in a conversation, how to approach people. Uh, like, it's actually not as hard as you think to say, uh, knock on someone's door and say, hi, my name's Stephen with Rock Campus Fellowship. We're a Christian organization here at Wright State. Uh, we're just going around talking to people about the Christian faith and biblical worldview. Cool beans. Wow, that's super hard. But, uh, like, there is, like, a, a fear of man to overcome, which we'll handle in the workshops and, um, and do things. 
so we're going to be talking about uh, the bad news first. Uh, everyone's going to go home really depressed. Uh, uh, or really somber. I thought Andy was really gracious a couple of Sundays ago when we did, he did two Lord's Days for the Catechism, which is pretty much the bad news and the good news, which I would have just left people in the bad news hanging for a week. Uh, but then we're going to talk about the good news, then using our local church as a critical resource, uh, fellowship and follow-up, and part of the gospel, if you... Uh, oh yeah, don't close it too light, because we get... Uh, it'll break the banner. Uh, or to put a hole in it. Um, so, uh, you know, just on that note, if you go home and you do this litmus test that you all are so excited to think about because you've already been thinking about, like, what is the gospel? You've been thinking, well, I think it's this and this and this. Uh, we have resources. Like, that's what our whole church is about is, like, getting resources to people. Like, we've got articles. We've got books. We've got people you can meet with. Uh, we've got studies. We've got Bible studies. Uh, you know, email me or Deanna. Uh, we have a series that we call Eight Essentials of the... Uh, biblical Christian gospel series uh, where we go over eight basic things or eight basic points of the gospel and Greg did 150 teachings on them and you don't have to listen to 150 teachings because we did a review series with like uh, 11 or 12 teachings and we've got outlines and I even converted all of those into for opponents into like a one page foldable even more condensed uh, version uh, with like fill in the blanks of like what is the gospel? What do you have to believe to be saved? Uh, and I don't mean saved as in going to heaven, but that's part of the gospel. <laughs> so uh, I gave that's a freebie. Uh, if the gospel is like, how do I get to heaven? Then don't bring that to me because uh, I'll throw it out. Um, but part of the like part of the gospel and of our gospel series is the historic narrative of Israel is. There's no, uh, like, why we talk about using the local churches, there's no such thing in, like, God doesn't create anything uh, without purpose, without meaning. You might perceive something to be without purpose or meaning, like this, like ants or snakes or something, or uh, bugs or moths. Maybe it's just to, like, annoy you. <laughs> Even if it's that, it has a purpose. Uh, to uh, potholes. Cockroaches? Cockroaches. Uh, whatever. Like, not, God never creates anything without purpose or without meaning uh, in the entire universe. And so, in the entire created universe, there's no vacuum. There's no nothingness in ever. <laughs> there's no such thing as nothing. Uh, it doesn't exist. Uh, if you go, especially conceptually, if you go out of something, you go into something else. You can't leave one thing and enter nothing. There's no state of nothingness. So, uh, using, because this is a much avoided thing in the modern gospel, is ecclesiology, is using your local resource as, local church as a resource, is if you're leaving the world of darkness and you're coming into Christ's kingdom, that necessarily means you're joining a church. So, uh, if that's someone's, like, hot point, right? Like, oh, I don't want to join a church. It's like, well, you don't want to love Christ. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Uh, you know, um, but we're going to talk about that and evangelistic investigative Bible studies, right? So that's the next uh, four teachings that we're going to do. Uh, one more just like 
uh, thing on the no neutrality, the effective words of Christ. So I think it's interesting, although this is from my limited experience, and I'll just give like a real world example of maybe several people, I won't name any names, but several people in this, in this uh, room will probably know who I'm talking about. Uh, and we might include, we'll probably include this on the podcast. Uh, so there was someone coming last, last, last year. Uh, uh, my voice cracked a little bit uh, from talking so much. Coming last year, who was uh, probably what we would call like seeking or maybe wanting to, like at least they admitted that they want to grow in Christ or they were interested in Christianity. Uh, they were openly homosexual. Um, and uh, so at this point, this person, this male, dressed pretty normally like a man does. Uh, yes, men dress a certain way. We will, that will be illegal soon. Uh, so, uh, to claim that. Um, but, so this person, like, was seemingly wanting to get away from the L- LGBTQBS community thing. Uh, <laughs> and, like, they were starting to, like, you know, go away from that, although still being openly homosexual. And, uh, but, like, came, you know, this is, again, from my limited perspective of, like, they were coming and, like, generally wanting to study scripture and they were hearing the gospel and we were, you know, not ashamed. We, I don't, I never met with the person one on one. I don't think, I don't know if anybody ever did. Uh, but they were attending a church, they were hearing the words of Christ. Um, and but we openly talked about like homosexuality is a sin. It's very clear in the Old and New Testament that those who practice homosexuality will not inherit the kingdom of God. And those people have to repent. And there's grace in the Lord uh, to grow, to change. Right? You can receive a new nature in Christ. Um, those things were openly said. And as far as I know, this person is currently now hearing the words of Christ, at least hearing them, being somewhat of a normally dressed male for our culture, uh, has now gone into the opposite end, uh, works for the LGBTQBS community thing, uh, whatever the acronym letters are, uh, and now uh, dresses as a female and wears makeup and is now identifying as a female. So the words of Christ are powerful and effective. They will change people. You will either go deeper into uh, the love of Christ of which he's called you into, convert you, change you, make you more of a lover of God, or more a hater of God. Uh, So, like, those are real things, you know. Again, that's just like someone uh, in my limited, limited perspective. You know, there could be other things that went into this person's decision to openly reject God and, and how he was made and stuff like that. Plausible. I don't know. Um... But that's a uh, but that's what really happens in the in the real world. So that's what we can expect. Well, and what else would we expect? Because that's what's in scripture. Got it. Go memorize scripture. Go meditate on it. Conform to it. Pray it. Preach it. Hold fast to the words of truth. They're the only source of life and hope, and they're the only things that bear fruit. Woo! Amen.